Welcome once more to Danny Houlihan's Irish Experience. In this episode, I will relate a story from my series entitled Tales from the Seaside. Through the remnants of old dusty forgotten newspaper clippings, we as historians can find local historical gems, some of which were lost forever, consigned to the bottom of old cupboards or old shoe boxes. One could say lost forever. Traditionally, a November day in the lovely scenic seaside town of Ballybunnan was always quiet and peaceful. One could say even heaven. However, on one fateful day long ago, the tranquil surroundings of the main street were sent into total chaos and turmoil, with women, children and military sent scattering in all directions. A funeral procession from the parish church of St. John's was entering the barracks corner to proceed through the village and on to Kelehenna Cemetery. However, a loud shout was raised from behind the coffin. Take cover! Take cover! Sending everyone scurrying into doors of pubs and local shops for safety. Much to the delight of the local vintners who were having a quiet week up to that point. The coffin was dropped and was left alone and unaided in the centre of the street, I should add. A mad horse or jinnet had thrown its rider at the rear of the cortege and tore straight through the mourners down the main street like a bullet, or as we say in our Irish native language, Ernos Naguiha, like the wind. One mourner at that time shouted as he looked out at the scene with a glass of whiskey in his hand after taking refuge in a bar. It was like the starter's orders of a race at Cheltenham. A woman near him, who had taken refuge with a young child in a snug, interrupted and said, However, unlike the thoroughbreds of Cheltenham, this beast had many breeds in his blood. The bar exploded into laughter. The beast passed the halfway mark of his race by turning old Jack's donkey and cart upside down, which had been tied up near the rear of the old railway hotel. Its next port of call was the buckets and shovels and household items outside Shortus's shop, which I should state, according to old historians now dead, were put flying into the air. The beast, now at full gallop, made its way to the seafront, where eight bathing boxes were parked at the top of the Strand Road. Not content with the gallop on the beach, the jinnet entered one of the bathing boxes, kicking out his side panels and reducing the bathing box to a total heap of timber, with only its wheels left, its owner arriving very upset and threatened the angry beast with a blackthorn stick. The beast now made its way onto the home straight, with the finish line now in sight. However, diverted from its course and attempted to enter the old Protestant church, which was overlooking the strand at that time, the vicar ran from the rectory and hunted the angry beast from the vicinity of the church, which several chosen prayers shouted. One woman shouted at the vicar, The beast wants to repent! One local man seized the opportunity and opened a book on the developing one-horse race that was occurring on the main street outside, taking odds which building would be reduced to rubble or damaged. He had a good trade that day. The angry animal raced up and down the icy street, then bounced off several hotel facades, kicking in the door of the exchange inn, and then collided with several outside railings of a number of public houses, then crossed the street, hitting the wall head-on of an old shop, causing severe structural damage to his front and awning. After all the chasing up and down the main street by locals, with extreme foul language shouted in vain at the animal, the services of five strong mountaineer men and two constables from the local barracks apprehended the beast at the partially demolished shop, whereupon the irate animal, still kicking and biting, 
was brought into custody and then was escorted to the local barracks before it had a chance to flatten the entire village of Ballybunion. The angry beast spent the night courtesy of the Queen in a cell in the barracks with two other inmates, who were not impressed. It should be noted to all at this stage of the proceedings that no charge was preferred on the angry animal at that point in the arrest. A festive atmosphere prevailed for several hours in the local bars after the incident. Whiskey and porter was consumed, Irish music was played, snuff and clay pipes were handed out to all. Salted sandwiches were dispersed to the crowd, which went down well after several more rounds of ale. Songs of Old Ireland were sung, even old Maggie sang her song, The Old Black Rocks. All songs received a rapturous applause. However, the afternoon's festivities of drinking then came to a sudden halt. When a man stood at one of the bar counters and shouted, Why is there a coffin in the centre of the street? Screams of the mourners could be heard from the bars as the crowds filled out onto the main street. Much to the disappointment of the bar owners, who at that stage had had a horse's trade that day, the mourners quickly made their way to the deceased, who at that stage was still lying in state in the centre of the street. Alone and unaided, the battered coffin was lifted reverently and shouldered quickly to the cemetery, where the deceased was buried in his family plot. Later, after the burial, the mourners returned to the local bars. Much to the delight of the local inn owners, more songs were sung and more drink was consumed into the very early hours of the morning. On the following morning, both the angry beast and the two inmates were released. The two frightened inmates swore on the Holy Bible to the sergeant on duty that morning that they would never reoffend again, due to have been beaten in the cell overnight by the angry animal. The beast was then released without any charge, but a stiff reprimand was given by the sergeant, never to darken the village again or its owner. This was not going away. At Mass the following Sunday, which coincided with the missions, visiting priests preached fire and damnation and read the beast and its owner from the altar, stating that the beast was Satan personified, insisting that all concerned went to confession and cleansed their evil, rotten souls. No, I don't mean the beast had to attend confession. He had escaped into the Irish countryside after being released and was now at large. What happened to the beast? Some people have related that he joined the French Foreign Legion, distinguishing himself with valour on the field of battle, that is, biting and kicking the enemy. Another story that was related was that one foggy evening, as a large monorail had left the seaside town of Ballybunnen on its approach to Lizelton, fog had covered the line. Out of the misty fog from the cab of the locomotive could be seen at the distance, the beast, who made straight for the oncoming evening train from Ballybunnen, hitting it sideways, nearly derailing it. Needless to say that an award poster was printed and was circulated to all barracks in the area with a ten-shilling reward for the whereabouts of the beast, who was still at large after the collision with the train. Maybe the animal made a bolt to England. Did he finally run at Cheltenham or Newmarket, making it to the final furlong and then to the winner's enclosure? We shall never know. The building that the beast partially demolished was later rebuilt and in the century to follow was used as an O'Flynn supermarket. Ironically, the building was later converted. I am not joking. It has now been used as a betting office. If there is a hereafter for the equine world, the beast is indeed happy, having left his mark on the place. So much for old tales. It should be noted that this story 
was related to me many, many years ago by a local historian in the area, who has now since passed on. May he rest in peace. I have, through my research, found one incident in the papers which does match some of this story. I have related it to many people in the last few years. All concerned have fobbed it off as a horse's tail. Thank you once again for joining me on this Gallop Osari episode. Through his people, his heritage and his runaway beast, this is truly Danny Houlihan's Irish experience. Bye for now.